0: Question to Brad, what happened in this picture? And the picture is a close-up of Willy Melitalo in his Gen Z, And it looks like Brad Benavides is just behind him, locking his brakes up at Zandvoort. Did he just rage quit the... <laughs> 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 Michael face is a picture. and welcome to the F1 feeder series podcast, your guide to keeping up to date on everything in the junior single seater world. I'm your host, Jim Kimberly, And after a one week break for the podcast, there's been plenty of goings on in the feeder series world. Previous guest, Ollie Goethe did the impossible and he didn't score a win in Euro formula. Alex Dunn has all but won British formula four. Formula three headed to Jerez for a post-season test and one of F2's longest serving drivers celebrated his birthday. And what better way to celebrate turning 25 than joining the F1 Feeder Series podcast a few days later, the birthday present I presume you've always wanted. It's Ralph Bochong. How are you today and how was your birthday?
1: Very good, thank you. Uh, It's good to to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, It was pretty good, quite chill. Uh, had a lot of cake and um yeah burning that off now
0: well how long have you got until the next race it's like still six weeks or something so a lot of a lot of cake you can still have
1: yeah it's a lot of a uh, lot of a uh, lot of time actually uh, um, obviously i'm quite busy uh working on on the future that always takes a lot of time so uh yeah my time my time schedule is quite full at the moment, but i um, trying to obviously also enjoy a bit of time off uh, and uh, looking forward to to the last round in Abu Dhabi.
0: Yeah, well, some of that time you're spending on the podcast, so I can't think of a better better way to spend your time. And we're also privileged to have another driver joining us and straight after, well, it's not even a Formula 3 rookie anymore, but straight after switching cars for the post-season test, enjoying the off-season by driving cars like a real driver it's brad benavides how are you brad and how was your test and we'll talk about your season a bit but how's your test most recently
2: hey guys yeah um well thank you for having me and uh yeah that test went uh, pretty well i mean uh, i was only i only got into the car um on the third day uh out of the three days of testing um but yeah it was really positive and uh after that, I, I went, took some days off in the south of Spain, since that was Friday, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, took some days off in the south of Spain until literally yesterday, Sunday, that I just got back home. So
0: Very good, and you've got a good few days off before, I presume, doing some more Formula 3, or well, we'll hear about that later, before you start racing again, so joining the podcast for now but i'm sure you're going to keep busy we'll hear all about that as well and finally joining me for the second episode in succession is the f1 feeder series f3 editor who has been hanging around ralph and brad in the paddock for the last few rounds hello again michael mcclure where in the world are you right now back home i understand
3: yeah, that's always the guessing game with me. Is where I like on this time. So for the first time ever, I am filming a podcast in a location where I've been before. Um, I'm back in Chicago at my apartment. It is my last day before school starts again. Um, University of Chicago resumes their academic year tomorrow, so I will be savoring the last of my free time uh, before that gets eaten up. But yeah, happy to be back. Um, happy to be reinvited after. Hopefully, what would be a more smooth episode than recording it in an Italian restaurant outside on my phone last time. So, stable internet and good people around me. So, yeah, happy Uh to be here.
0: Thank you. There were good people around you last time of the podcast as well, but I'm very very glad that you've got good internet. Last time was, well, it worked out just fine. Just a little behind the scenes for anybody else that watched the Josh Revel episode michael's audio screwed up at the last minute and that was because his batteries died at the perfect opportunity with about three minutes left on the podcast so no such worries this time and just as ever have to go through this a quick reminder to like comment and subscribe if you're watching on youtube and you can find our previous episodes and some short videos of our best bits on the rest of the channel we actually have one of josh revel's thoughts on every single one of the f3 teams from their last season and we're putting putting those up every day since our last podcast. You can check those out. And if you are listening to the audio-only version, please leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're using. Every review and rating is so helpful. We keep getting new ratings every week. Thank you so much. You can leave a rating on Spotify and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to everybody who rates and reviews us. It really does help us out. Okay, Formula 2. It's as we said just in the intro, a long wait until the season finale. But I would kind of classify with certain Brazilian coming through and deciding to dominate things that the season's pretty much done for all intents and purposes. Aside from this finale, how has the season been from your perspective, Ralph? And how does it kind of compare to your previous years?
1: Well, I mean, uh, you know, last year obviously was my first real full season in f2 and i think it was it was a pretty decent year um and and i think this year also let's say if i start from the beginning um i think i did a pretty nice improvement together with the team in terms of overall pace qualifying and and race pace um in order to to you know score more points um it was a to me i think a pretty strong start to the year Uh, Obviously, after Imola, I suffered from this uh, from this neck injury, uh, which just I think kind of you know destroyed my season in a way. Um, obviously, it's uh, it's easy to to give this as an excuse, but uh, you know, obviously, I missed quite a lot of races, so it was very very tough to um,
0: to accept such a you know such a problem because it just came out of nowhere. It sounded awful, Ralph. Like when I read about the symptoms of it, was it as bad as it sounds?
1: It was, it was a nightmare. I mean, it's, um, it's something that is so difficult to describe, but, you know, when I, when I raced in uh, Monaco and, and Baku and those races where I tried to race, hmm. basically what happened is that the, the doctors in Switzerland didn't diagnose my problem. They, they couldn't find out what it was. So they told me to keep racing under a lot of medications, which obviously wasn't ideal um and when i when i tried to race again it was just it was literally impossible i just couldn't hold my neck uh on, on the brakings and in the corners and the pain was i mean without painkillers i literally couldn't get out of bed um that's how bad it was um and then after monaco gp i went to see a specialist in monaco thanks to uh rupert by the way shout out to him the physio of carlos science he contacted me on instagram saying look i've seen uh, what's happening with your neck? Do you need any help? Hmm. And I told him, look, I'm lost. My, my doctors in Switzerland they don't know what you know what's going on. So, when they actually diagnosed my severe facet syndrome, um, obviously we knew that the problem was was really serious. So I had to take a break. But um, in terms of symptoms and pain, yeah, it was it was at a very very high level. Probably the I mean the biggest pain I ever uh, experienced.
0: When I read about it, um, it sounded like something that would be a nightmare to live with without racing cars. And then yeah, you're yeah. racing cars as well as this with a helmet on making your head heavier. I just don't know how you even tried to get through some of those races. Yeah, well,
1: to, to be honest, at some point, I think maybe it's a little bit irrational, but it's, at some point I was you're, like... You're a you know, racing
0: driver. Irrational's part of the job.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I said I'm not going to listen to the doctors. I have... <laughs> no, really. I mean, I have strong sponsors. I was, what was it? Fifth in the championship after Imova. I had a good run. And I couldn't like you know have the funding finally to do again another full year. Um, you know this is, this can't happen. that's not that's not real, but it actually, unfortunately was reality. Um, and I think obviously that was a mistake to try and continue racing because I just made my my condition worse. Um, but uh, yeah, I then finally obviously decided to completely stop and take a longer break, which was very helpful. Um, I'm also very happy now because I'm 99% pain free um and it looks like the condition is also going to let me continue racing because there was a big debate between the doctors whether whether I can actually continue racing that was the biggest uh, question mark um i do now suffer from arthrosis on the left side of my neck uh, at 25 you know it should arrive with maybe 50 or 60 but it's already at 25 so that's something that i kind of um you know, I paid the price for continuing to try and race. I just made my my cartilage uh, in a very bad state on, on the left side of the neck. So that's something I'll have to live with my whole life. Um, that's the reality. But I can still continue racing. And, you know, I think within two or three months, I'll be again probably 100% like, like I was in the beginning of the year.
0: Well, I hope so. And massive shout out to Rupert, That's sounds... and So he just reached out on Instagram, just randomly he... thought.
1: Randomly DM'd me and he was like, I see "What's happening? Uh, I I know a really good guy in uh, in Monaco. Obviously, I was in Monaco at the time, um, so I went to see this guy. Uh, great, great guy, Alexandre Bacilli. Um, uh, so he immediately found found the issue, um, and I had to do some serious treatments. I had to go straight to hospital the next day once once they got the scans, um, once they saw what what was on the scan. So um yeah it was it was obviously very tough and and difficult to accept but again now I'm feeling much better and that's that's the most uh, positive thing
0: it really is Uh, not the way that you at the start of the season would want to explain your season talking about mainly an injury it's crazy because you do you like you say you were doing so well at the start are you hoping to end of a of a bang so to speak are you looking forward to Abu Dhabi as a circuit you tend to like
1: yeah, I, I don't necessarily like Abu Dhabi, to be honest. Um, a the bit racetrack,
0: much... not the country.
1: No, no, the racetrack. <laughs> oh, actually, Abu Dhabi itself, the country is very nice. Got some good friends there. But um, the, the track itself is, you know, you do a mistake. You got so much runoff. You don't get penalized <clears> for <throat> it. I find that a little bit boring. Um, obviously, last year, I think I qualified fifth. I was on the podium as well. So it was quite decent. Um, but... For sure, I want to end end the year on a high. But honestly, with everything that happens uh, this year, I'm currently really focused on making sure I secure next season. And this will be, let's say, the the priority, um, hopefully ending on a a good note.
0: Well, we hope so too. Uh, We asked before the podcast started, because I know people will be wondering what Ralph's cryptic eye message was. And you replied saying that, it's just to get some hype. You're, you're your own hype, man. And you have nothing that you want to spill the beans on yet. Is that right?
1: It's right. But, you know, I think it's uh, it's it's quite easy to figure out. I mean, to be honest, it was meant to be my last year in F2. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, <clears throat> with, with with what happened uh, with the neck, I feel like I have more to show. Um, obviously, nothing is done yet. But uh, the target is to uh, to stay in that paddock as a driver next year. <laughs> um and and yeah let's see there's a couple of options obviously uh for for next season but i would love to try and have you know a normal year next year do a you know a decent a decent year and um and just finish it in in style that that would be cool well,
0: that's quite exciting and have you told anybody this yet that you're planning to stay in f2 next year or is this uh is this something i new? said it
1: on the press conference in uh in spa when i did spa. my comeback um at the, Told the me. <laughs>
0: Mike Michael's nodding along.
1: Yeah. I mean that's that's obviously a uh the let's say the priority. There is other options as well, but um it will most likely be F2.
0: Well, very exciting. Can't wait to see what team that comes in. I like that you specifically said that you're not going to be doing anything other than driving in the paddock, so Trevor Carlin doesn't have to worry about his team getting taken over. I said before as well, Brad. This season's kind of done from a Formula 2 perspective. Obviously, it's done from Formula 3, but how much did you keep in touch with what's going on in Formula 2 this year? Racing Formula 3, you're in the same paddock, but then you'll be struggling to watch some of the races because of your own priorities. But one, how did you view the season? Two, how much did you understand what was going on? And three, Felipe Drogovic. How good is he? Yeah,
2: Uh, yeah. To be honest, I did see some races. I did follow quite a bit, you know, after my, my weekend uh, finished. Obviously, I was sharing the weekends with, uh, with them, um, so I could catch along a little bit um, from what they we were doing. To be honest, uh, yeah, Djordovic was really consistent, um, but uh, I was surprised from a couple of drivers. Like, I was surprised of Enzo, Piti to be honest i was also surprised at the speed of Iwasa. um and uh, also doing i think he was just so unlucky throughout the whole season with you know he had like he scored i think four poles um or three and yeah the com- the conversion rate for his polls to wins was like so poor because of you know different bad luck reasons
0: Charles Leclerc um, levels of pole to victory conversions
2: yeah, he was basically the Charles Leclerc, I think, of the season. And then people that were always up there, like Carlin, um, Logan, and, mm-hmm. and Liam, they were consistently, you know, within that top top eight range. And a couple of mistakes, uh, Logan and Spa with uh, the crash, and then Zambort, um what he did in that first freaking 25 seconds of that <laughs> first race with the uh, <laughs> um but yeah I've, I've been i've been following i mean i was also aware of ralph and his uh neck uh problem and uh i glad to see you, him. you like the crypto car yeah i was like maybe maybe i get the chance to fill him in but <laughs> <laughs> not <too. laughs> nah, obviously not but uh
1: yeah
2: it was cool to see roberto mary fill in mm-hmm. for you and in, in, in austria and in his uh his actually, his performance was actually pretty exciting to see, especially when it was his first race um, there in Austria. Um, and then I think in Spa, who was it that filled in for that car? I think it was was in it Zendeli.
1: No, that no, that was I. I went back to Spa, but it was Oli who had the uh, the penalty points, oh. so he filled Oli's place.
2: Oh yeah, was I,
1: uh... I was. I was on the podium on my comeback. by the way. <laughs> George,
2: oh, just... Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: For, uh, that i feel proud about that so uh shame you didn't remember that <laughs>
2: <laughs> because i was really busy because in i know yeah, it it's like fine.
1: i appreciate it it's fine
2: it's <laughs> this... all is starting like uh second row so i was a bit like really you know focused on my on my yeah. stuff all the other races you know i was pretty I, I think i watched every single race except maybe yeah what was that that was the sprint race if i'm
1: exactly right. yeah correct yeah yeah, yeah. i
2: think now i i now that i used now that you mentioned i definitely remember just I,
1: <laughs> <yeah.
2: 'Cause laughs> you're all so often from the podiums like from time to time and so i don't know it's just like oh okay cool another podium of ralph is cool. like, you have been it's picking
0: over, them up ralph you've been picking a bunch of them up the last last year and a half you've been really uh jumping up there what are you gonna say sorry brad i interrupted
2: yeah i know that ralph yeah basically what you said that like, he's been picking up some um some silverware quite a bit you know consistently so and how, so how old are you again 25 you just 25 turned 25 I'm,
1: right? I'm one of the old guys in a paddock but yeah i'm 25
2: yeah so it's like imagine if i see a podium from enzo rookie i was like i'll, I'll remember that you know what i mean but like of course, i've been seeing of podiums enough too since like i basically started my motorsport career almost of course, like, like,
1: for, like for what is it a decade or something 20 years i don't know but I, i'm a long time here.
0: Well, I'd say from my perspective, Ralph, that when you got that podium back in Jeddah, which was your first one, I believe, like that was yep, momentous. Yep. And now it's just like, oh, it's another Ralph Bosch podium after you just completely... Once you start, it's like one of those things, once a bus turns up, then another three turns up. That's what it's been like for you once you got that first podium. And a question I actually had, which I was going to point at you, Michael, but I'm going to actually ask it to Ralph first. You've mentioned before you've been racing... In Formula 2 for a while. How how much has changed over that time and how much has stayed the same during that time? I mean, obviously I raced the older generation, mm-hmm. uh, the GP2
1: car at that time in 2017. Um, obviously that was a big, that's a big change that just mechanically speaking, technically speaking, it's a completely different car. I got to taste obviously the 13 inch wheels on the new generation F2 car. <clears throat> And now the 18 inch wheels um, since last year. So, on, on that front, a lot has changed. But um, in terms of, let's say, the paddock itself, you know, pretty much the same people, uh, just some rotations within the teams. And um, I think one thing that, that I have to say uh, went up a lot is the popularity of F2. Um, mm. Since I was there in the beginning, I think since uh, Liberty Media uh, bought um, F1, since they became the owners, they obviously made a whole uh, big, big change calling it F2. They kind of pushed a lot more the feeder series to be more in the spotlight uh, together with F1 compared to the past. So I think YouTube that's a great... highlights
0: are a massive thing from just watching, like keeping up to yeah,
1: date. You know, that's great. I think that's, that's the way forward because obviously. Uh, there is there is only f2 before f1 and there is only f3 before f2 right so Mm. you got to it's very important to uh for this to be integrated in the in the in the feeder series and people to notice that um, not only is it important for drivers but for sponsors as well right so um i think it's it's a very positive change they did and obviously it keeps growing year by year from from my feelings um
0: and i think that's a very very positive thing so do you would you say that the difference with that liberty stuff has helped you on the sponsorship front like has that made things easier because people are more aware of what formula 2 is than they were three yeah. years ago a hundred
1: percent i mean um you know for example the sponsor i have this year my main sponsor i have this year uh carl uh, mm-hmm. runefeld obviously his business model is all based online it's all about social media youtube you know facebook instagram and, and so on um, and obviously F2 is very active on that, uh, on all these channels. Um, and that's helped me a lot to, to make, make such a deal happen. Uh, I think without F2 being so much integrated into this, uh, this whole kind of new, uh, way of, uh, you know, sh- showing a series is, is definitely, uh, is definitely a big help. It's obviously not everything, but it's a, it's a big boost. So, um. Yeah, credits to to F two and and Liberty Media for making such a good job. Uh, now, obviously, they have to keep keep that sustainable. It's uh, it's always easy for something like this to become kind of a bubble and then kind of you know explode. Um, so it's important to keep a sustainable plan for the next couple of years. But you're not talking about I'm...
0: crypto being a bubble that's exploding, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bit uh, obviously. Well,
0: yeah. Let, let's uh, let's not go down that route because we could end up going way problem, off topic maybe yeah a Carl no. car will be upset uh, just the question originally like i said Michael, was actually for you and you've been watching feeder series for so long and i was going to ask from this from the fan perspective but i think ralph might have covered some of it how much has changed since you first saw ralph Boschung racing in formula 2 from your perspective
3: in fact the first time i saw ralph was in gp3 in 2015 um mm-hmm. all the way back at Yenzer. i remember when you were it won a Red Bull ring um with i think it was with clear is that correct um sure. so yeah no i think i mean this is the first year i've really been in the paddock but definitely the branding of it is different the fact that it is taking on this f2 f3 and even if you go down to f4 it's all this very unified ladder mm-hmm. i think that's changed we talk about the super license points and it's clear that now f2 and f3 isn't just kind of a corollary but it's like a part of a bigger vision and you see that i think the other thing that that you see especially this year the way they've changed the format um i think has has really helped in a way because now you get the big f3 and f2 races on the sunday morning and it really builds Mm -hmm. anticipation quite well for the formula one race obviously when it was saturday you maybe got like it was a little bit more in in standard viewing time especially for let's say people in the u.s like me it's not at 4 a.m that you're watching the the feature races but it's more like 10 11 a.m which is more more manageable but even still i think for that core audience that is admittedly in in europe and in in asia it's that that sunday morning time is a good slot so i think that's definitely helped it in a way and i would guess also in the paddock you know like having that on the the same day it just kind of fits in well with the way the the rest of the the formula one world works so I think it's, it's going in a positive direction. I mean, there's obviously things that can always improve. Funding continues to be an issue. And Ralph can attest to this for sure, but that's one thing that's never that's never gone away is drivers are always battling to find sponsorship money. And that will probably continue to be an issue. But again, the more you get, as, as he's mentioned, the more you get the exposure, the more that people see it. And also the more that that fans can connect with the drivers and you get people who even now will pick someone in Formula 4. They really like or in formula three and we'll follow them and and cheer for them all the way to formula one and that's how you you can really build like a a deep almost lifelong kind of fan and driver connection in a way. so I think it's it's going in the right direction it's definitely elevated the what was Gp3 Gp2 is a very niche series into kind of a a more mainstream element of the sport that probably i mean rivals like main series like Indycar and super formula in popularity i'm I'm sure so. No, it's. I'm. I'm curious to see what happens next. I don't know how long you guys are going to stick around in feeders, but um, definitely a cool perspective to hear Ralph's six years in GP and F2, and obviously extra time in GP3 as well.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I think there's a lot of time spent sometimes on the negativity with regards to certain drivers not making it to Formula One and so forth, but there is so much that's been going well in Formula Formula Three and Formula Two. <laughs> We're gonna move on to Formula Three. And you'll be excited for this bit, Brad, because this is yours. So let's go from a very basic question. How was your season?
2: Um, yeah, so uh, my season this year was obviously my first uh it was my first year in um in f F three. Um this is basically this has been, yeah, like you guys said, the feature series that uh that has definitely had the most exposure um, mm-hmm. in all channels compared to what I raced last year. And um, so, yeah, the pressure, not not really pressure, but uh, the, the, all the eyes, you know, that are on this, on this championship, but uh, definitely I think was something that I, um, something that I felt through the season. Um, but other than that, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the fact that there were so many people uh, watching it. You know, the fact that I'm racing around in the in the track that, you know, F1 is also racing around. And, and the people that are there to watch F1 or F2 are also there to watch F3. Um, and, uh, yeah, this apart from that, my season hasn't really been as I would have wanted to. Um, I struggled a bit the first half, let's say. Of the season, and the second half, perhaps uh, we could say that it went a bit better. Um, there was definitely uh, uh, a steep learning curve that I had to go through, and I think that uh, I went through it. And you know, mm, currently I'm definitely a way better driver than I was at the beginning of the of the season. So,
0: yeah. Well, you got those points in that latter half as well, right? That's when you was it eight P eight or something that you got. yeah um that was spa in the
2: sprint race i was uh i lost a lot of positions there in the in the last in the last laps
0: yeah but also at the same time that surely showed the progress because that was a wet qualifying that you went through and then is that right was the friday was pretty sodden i mean we all did the qualifying with slicks like they're
2: all all our fastest like the times were done in, in, in slicks because the mm. track was drying up and like the last 15 minutes, everyone was on slicks. But yeah, there was it was like a racing line um, that was dry and then or damp sort of in some places. And then, yeah, it was, uh, it was a tricky qualifying for sure.
0: Do you know something? This is why I couldn't be a driver because I'd say that as like, I finally got points. I'm really pumped. But you as a driver, you always want more. You're just like, yeah, I could have done better. could That's where I think the difference is that you're you still feel that you could have done better on that race
2: yeah of course i mean definitely i was uh i led the race for like a lap or two and then um i was fighting for the basically for the podium um until like lap out of 16 out of like until lap 13 and then i lost so many positions there at the end i had i didn't have a great pace to be honest and that's just you know that's why you know in the aftermath of that race i'm just so uh, it started really bittersweet,
0: honestly, that I couldn't have, you know, um, gotten any more points in the bag. I would have been happy. Well, I was, I am happy for you. I was happy for you. And talking more recently now, and we briefly touched on it in the intro. You've switched from racing uh, in Formula Three to testing in Formula Three with the post-season test. You got that one day in different teams, so different experience, different track, everything a bit changed. How well, how was the postseason test, and how was it seeing a different team operate with the same machinery? Yes,
2: yeah, so I think it was like half the grid um, basically was were uh, were
0: participating
2: in in this test, and then half of the grid was were basically rookies. Um, so yeah, I wasn't I wasn't the only one that went from racing to testing. <laughs> um, and yeah i had a switch of switch of teams it was definitely um really interesting to you know test a, or try out a different car that wasn't a carlin car um i'd never it was my first time basically trying a different car that wasn't yeah a carlin so um it was uh it was also tricky cuz like i said before it was i think or that was before the that was when we were off record in the, in the green I mean, room yeah yeah in the green room when we were chatting a bit yeah there was so it was three days of testing and i hopped on i hopped in the cart only into the last day so definitely was and of course you know the it's Jerez, so spain and especially south of spain and it's september or october and um uh, and still quite hot it gets really hot um throughout the day so in the morning literally from nine to ten that's really only when the track is ever quickest so basically everybody puts their new tires in that first window um of the morning that first hour and uh basically I had to get the grips you know with the with the cars handling and and um with the track as well because people you know had two days of testing so you know you like it or not obviously you can't maximize your in your first run or maybe some drivers can but to be honest it was a bit hard for me to you know get used to the car and to just maximize that that um that flying lap after three or four laps of of reconnaissance of the of the of the track. So um but other than that it was really positive. I mean the car felt really um comfortable and really quick, especially in the afternoon session. I was with my race runs I was quite competitive. Um yeah there weren't really any there weren't really many other drivers that were quicker than me, let's say in the in the race runs. Um so that was that was a that was a big positive. Um, especially coming from um if I ever did a test with Carlin, I was usually always at the back, let's say of, of the grid when it came to race runs mm. or my race pace. And yeah, with this car I was already in like in the top five of drivers, um, matching all the cars or yeah, basically matching or be quicker than the Prima Cars or the Trident cars. I was it definitely felt um really positive that I could, you know hop in a car that was that i knew was competitive and be competitive so that Hmm. was a confidence boost for sure
0: i was gonna say yeah And, and ralph you'll know excuse me from saying this but you've gained one more you've got a few years on brad but you'll know more than anybody i suspect how it's a spec series but they're not equal cars how much do you view the team having a a massive impact i'm going to say it's the same car but the cars aren't the same if you if you get my drift
1: for sure i mean you know every <clears throat> every team has their way of working their philosophy first of all way of working setup of the car um and and operational uh, uh structure um and i think what what is very important for people that, that listen who might not know uh, uh, the spec series so much is that obviously you can do a lot of different things on the car, but at after a couple of years with the same car, usually all the teams, they arrive within a certain window of, of their setup and the way they work. Um, so everything becomes very compressed and very competitive. But I think where the big... Uh, the big challenges, but also the big benefit is if you manage to um, uh, kind of work with the team, have a good combination between both, and have basically the packages is, is, is the key word here for me. Um, you know, you could have you could argue a certain driver that won the championship. if he would have gone in a different team, he maybe would have not won the championship. Vice versa, but that all depends on how well the <clears throat> the driver is able to adapt to what the team is giving him, mm. and how much he's also able to inf- influence, uh, how much he wants to change, um, setup, way of working, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's really a combination of both. Um, at the end of the day, the biggest uh, difference will be which team and driver gets along the best and find kind of the sweet spots um, in all these things that I just said. That's that's very
0: important. I yeah, saw that happen with your new champion in Formula 2 compared to his season last year, of course. And finally, just for view from you, Michael, with regards to the testing, I know you were keeping up to date on it with a very handy spreadsheet, which I'm sure uh, a few people have seen as well. I certainly browse through it. You were able to, from that, ascertain who was doing well in testing who might have surprised you so your view on what names were at the top and who we probably should be giving a shout out to in the podcast for such a good testing time in f3 yeah
3: absolutely well one of the difficult things about testing is that you look at the end of the session like result and obviously there's no streaming or anything so you can really just judge by the the live timing and stuff and you see certain names at the top that might be surprising, but it really just scratches the surface because in each session, you may get people who are doing qualifying runs, but you also might get someone who isn't even focused on setting a fast lap and they're just doing race runs the entire time. Um, So MP, for example, really focused on race runs this test. I believe in the total lap count, their drivers are like three of them in the top five or something like that. It's Edgar had 252 laps, Colapinto 248, and Mari Boya, who's a rookie, at 2:25, so those are drivers that didn't go for the headline times. But if you look at their race pace, it's very, very impressive what they did. Colapinto, in particular, is one that I think I should shout out because I, if you look at, you know, comparing what his times were relative to his teammates, he's got. Consistently the fastest race pace and very little like discernible tire degradation, which is another thing you can sort of get a sense of in the testing. So Johnny Edgar's times are going a little bit up and down sometimes. Mari Boya obviously was still getting to grips with the car a bit and, and had a bit of of degradation, but Colapinto was really on top of it, and I've I've actually heard a bit about that. A lot of people I think were quite surprised by just how, just how solid that was. Um, we know the MP is a quick car. Uh, they had three pole positions this past year and obviously Collette took a couple of victories and small had the feature race win. So absolutely. It's a, it's a strong package and him being such a strong rookie this year, it's, it's going to be certainly a driver to watch other ones. I mean, Trident usually have a very quick car. They did a lot of qualifying runs. Um, Bortoletto, congratulations to him, just being been announced as the first F3 driver this season or for, for 2023. Um, he looked really, really good, especially relative to his other two test mates who are also rookies. Um, so Furnaroli coming up from Freca has had a, a bit more of an adjustment. Um Oliver Goethe has obviously got a couple race experiences in the car and and looked solid, but perhaps not as spectacular as Bortoletto was. Um Prema, obviously, they are always going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. And in the test, they got some really good times as well. But one thing that's that's unique there is if you compare their race runs, you see quite different patterns in tire degradation. For example, Boganovich is one whose times generally got increased as he went along in the run. And like you see that his pace is dropping off. But Paul Aaron has a few runs, and especially Zach O'Sullivan, where he just gets faster as it goes on. And so that's That's, that's interesting. You just see, you know, different, different experience levels and different comfort levels So Sullivan's obviously done a year in F3 and alongside Brad. So, so you see that, um, I mean, ART, I guess, Brad, you can definitely speak on this, but just looking at your, your times. I mean, you, you jumped in the car and you were right with, with Solov who's done the most laps and has done tons and tons of race runs. So definitely, definitely impressive there. And I mean, you can definitely speak on this, but what was it, I'm curious to know, what was it like jumping in the champion's car?
2: Yeah, it was definitely a privilege, to be honest. Um, I It's sort of like uh, the mentality was sort of like, you know, if um, the champion uh, of this year was driving in this car, why can't I, you know, um, uh, drive, you know, as if I was the quickest uh, person on, on track. So uh, that was, it, it definitely felt really cool, to be honest.
0: Um, I felt like empowered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i uh, I was very impressed with. Well, ART as a whole, we had all three drivers on the podcast a little while ago, and they just seemed to have a really good. I don't know, gel together, and I just wondered if that's something that the team themselves were were imparting there. Are you? Were you looking? And I know you can't speak to too much at the moment brad but are you looking to see about your seat for next year at art or flirting with other people in the paddock is there anything you can let us know about 2023 plans um
2: definitely uh a seat in art next year would be you know uh, a, a, honestly a dream come true because um it's a literally like we said before it's a, it's the car that won the driver's championship and and i think that would be um a big confidence boost for me because I definitely approach the year as, you know, if Martin's won in this car last mm-hmm. year, why can't I win in this car this year? You know, and mm-hmm. if, as long as, you know, the mentality is um, that you could definitely win it then you know, and, and why not, then, you know, that's a, that's a big, that's a big uh, drive, you know, um, behind me. And, and um uh, Yeah. Motivation. Watch this
0: space is what you're saying. Is what, what, that's how I'm interpreting. Watch this space about your 2023 plans. Right, that's enough questions from me because the F1 Feeder Series podcast is for you viewers and listeners. We're gonna move on to the hashtag AskF1FS part of the podcast. If this is your first time watching or listening, you can get involved by using the hashtag AskF1FS on Twitter joining our Discord and using the podcast questions channel, or simply commenting on our YouTube videos and asking whatever it is that's on your mind. As ever, so many questions, popular drivers here, so apologies if we don't read yours out, but really trying to get through as many as possible. First question is for Brad, and it's from William Alitalo. And for the first time on the podcast, it's a picture round. So apologies for those of you listening. I'll try and describe what I'm seeing. The question is, question to Brad, what happened in this picture? And the picture is a close-up of Willy Mellatello in his Gen Z, And it looks like Brad Benavides is just behind him, locking his brakes up at Zandvoort. And the could even, <laughs> as he turned his camera off, or we just lost him? Was it just funny timing? What's happened? you still
1: there. Or or did he just rage quit? the...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Michael Space is a picture. There he is. Yeah. There's there's a comedian with his comedy timing. Were you guys
2: were you guys waiting for me? My uh, yeah, the power went out, and uh, I don't have any. Because I'm on my phone, and at least I would have been able to do the hotspot, but I don't have any (laughs) signal either.
0: Right. So, Brad, I will ask it again. Um, The question was, William Alatello, question for Brad, what happened in this picture? And the picture is a close-up of William Alatello. And in the background is Brad Benavidez locking up uh, or well, there's a bit of tire smoke from someone and it's at Zandvoort. I don't know if you remember what happened and if you could explain.
2: Yeah. So I, I think it's just one of those things, mate, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I had just been rear ended as well. Uh, the, the race, um, on Saturday, this was, this happened on the feature race on Sunday, um, an opening laps, and like I said, I was also rear ended and, and stranded last uh, in, in the sprint race Saturday. And my approach on you know other drivers' mistakes is if I have a photo of it or I have a clip of it, I'm not gonna, to be honest, I wouldn't really ever create any beef um, <laughs> unless the other driver was really you know like a let's say a, a prick about it. Sorry for the swear word, but um, and yeah, basically. All I can say is, obviously, it was uh, it was my bad. It was my mistake. Uh, he had just overtaking me on the inside into T one, um, and I tried to hang around the outside, but he had a better run on the exit of that corner. So I just at the end, I took be, I, 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 like I, um, tucked right behind him just before the the breaking of that corner. And to be honest, mate, like, um, he was breaking quite early. Like I was literally right behind him as I tucked behind him um like I said just before the corner and my breaking point or for that corner was like there was a there's a curb on the left and it was like my breaking point was at least just after that curb or or just passing um after Mm -hmm. it. And his he literally uh braked not even with his front wing, you know, close to it. He he was like at least two cars earlier. And I don't know if it was like you know his his approach to that complex of corners because you know there's a T three um, just after that, which is the the banked nice. corner hairpin sorta, and, and you know there's some drivers that I guess have an approach of uh, opening up that corner quite a lot, to have, so compromising a bit, you know the 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 breaking point and minimum speed for T two um, or the corner b- before it. Um, but yeah, that was definitely not by. And like I said, obviously. I'm the one that rear ended him and it's always the driver that's you know behind the one that has the responsibility and I assume that responsibility, but it was it was just one of those things, you know, it was
0: was it was it deemed as a racing incident by the stewards in the end? No, no, I got I got penalized, mate. <laughs> um, <but laughs> sorry the, to bring the, that the, up.
2: But yeah, no, it's it's
0: Oh, he's Rage quit again. Looks like he's uh, frozen now. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll uh, move on to the next one and then I can edit Brad in. Next question goes to you, Ralph, and it's from Sam uh, at SOGSV5 on Twitter. To Ralph, has doing all your own sponsors helped you as a person and how will it help your racing career post F2?
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure, it helped me a lot. Um, Obviously... It's, it's a whole different thing than, than, than racing. It's a whole different world. It's, it's really business. Um, and I've been doing this for a very long time, obviously. So um, I think what helped me a lot is more the mistakes that I've done than actually the su- successful deals.
0: Um, you mean just because, on the business uh, side specifically, not the racing mistakes?
1: On, yeah, exactly, on the business side. And, and, and I think this helped me a lot as a person uh, uh, to, to grow um i also i think i gained a lot of confidence by by then closing also uh you know stronger and bigger deals over time um as a driver i think you know it it helps me probably not in terms of performance like like racing performance but but it helps me just generally as a more on the human side as a, as, a, as a person. Not, I don't think it really helps you as a driver, but um, <clears throat> I think you can see racing in a different perspective when you do all these dealings on the side. Um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I see racing quite a lot differently than most of the gri- drivers on the grid, um, but uh, it's obviously a, a big challenge. It takes a lot of time and it's, it's very difficult to do that. Um, hence why I did a lot of mistakes in the beginning.
0: Can I just ask um, when you say you see it differently, like in, specifically, is that because you're more aware of the financial implications of crashing the car, for example? Is that what you refer to?
1: Could be. Uh, that is more, that actually used to be more in the past when I actually <clears throat> didn't have the funding for the full season. And it was like, if I crashed the car, who's going to pay that invoice of the crashed car, mm. right? So that was a very negative thing. So I was I was also in a position where I maybe couldn't, race the way i wanted to race uh you know launch it on the inside take the risk go for the gap it was more like oh i'm thinking about the front wing i'm thinking about the rear wing uh whilst you race that's obviously not ideal but right now in the position i mean uh, I, actually right now is just um you know i'm first of all i'm i got the sponsors to race but i'm also making a living out of it and hmm. and that's i've seen a question uh that's probably going to come a bit later but it's like you know why do you want to keep doing it if you could go maybe somewhere else and do it professionally wow now brad is somewhere in the sky or
0: what (laughs) (laughs) that's that's, that's the most realistic zoom background i've ever seen in my life (laughs) (laughs) i'm so sorry guys
2: i'm sorry i interrupted um apparently the power is out uh in the where i live and like i said i don't have any mobile uh out. I don't have any service um, in my house. I only can rely on my Wi-Fi, and so I literally just got. I just got the car and drove out. That is through.
0: commitment. He's driven out through the podcast. That's great. I have
2: no other option. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, I'm done for ju- the night.
0: That's Brad, I tell you something. You could have said, "I can't do it." That's an option. So I really appreciate that you persevered like this. You were, you were just bringing up that last, the last points about driving differently. Forget worrying about your front wing, but recently it's not the same.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, recently, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, ma- this is my, this is a job, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, earning money from, from racing in F2. So, um, I, I think I have a, just a different perspective on, on approaching race weekends. And, uh, um, you know, I know that in the case, it, it all should stop suddenly, which, which can happen to many drivers, unfortunately, in this sport. Um, with everything that I've learned over the couple of years and what I've done on the business side, um, I'm very confident that I'll be able to, uh, you know, to stay on my feet and, and do something uh, different, maybe in this sport, not as a driver um, or, or something else in business. Um, it, it gives me a lot of confidence because, you know, many drivers um, obviously start very young. They might have funding from their parents or not, whatever, but they may be even sacrifice, you know, uh, uh, education. They, they go all in, in, in racing and, unfortunately if you don't make it to f1 or you don't have a proper manufacturer contract somewhere how are you going to generate income how how are you going to make money right because at some point you have to make money that's that's the 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 essence of life and uh, many drivers find themselves in a position where they have to stop and then they're like shit what do i do Uh you know and that's that's always a position what where i never wanted to be in Um, i obviously sacrificed my education i didn't I didn't went to university. I didn't really finish school properly. I just went all in into into racing. Um, And I think that's a very difficult uh, position any driver can find himself in. Um, So in that respect, that's where I think I I see it from a different perspective.
0: I find that so interesting. So would you look into going driver coaching, driver management, team management? Is that something you possibly consider in the future? You'd still be doing business, but within motorsport in 10, 15, 20 years?
1: yeah yeah sure i'm uh well i mean maybe there will be some stuff already for next year based on that but um i'm Ooh. definitely definitely trying to uh obviously because i've been doing this for a long time I, I i know the paddock i know many people in the paddock um and it's always been an interest of mine one day potentially to uh to be owner of a, of a racing team whether that's f2 whatever that that doesn't really you know that's too far-fetched in the future but definitely um you know managing a team uh, potentially drivers maybe but uh, but more a team would be would be very much in my liking um obviously right now i'd like to continue racing and, and be the race driver but um in the future that could
0: be a, a possibility Moodmobiles mobiles for everybody that's so fascinating <laughs> um Brad, let's finish up with your side because I just wanted you to bring up because you got cut off at the end with a different braking zone. I just wanted to add that William said at the end, just kidding, by the way, no hard feelings anymore. So just to end things on a nice note.
2: Alrighty. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's definitely a, a nice comment from him. I mean, because like at the end of the day, um, even for sure, we're, we're all drivers, you know, we're all searching for the limits and and it's we all make mistakes and uh as soon as as soon as um you know i i got the chance to chat to him after after the crash and you know when, when we were there sitting down um <laughs> waiting for the race to to end so we could go back to our paddocks um yeah I, I told him basically sorry mate you know it was it was totally my bad um it was a bit tricky for sure because like i like i uh i explain to you guys I, I just had tucked behind him and it mm-hmm. didn't really we were basically fighting for the position to that point and, and um, it wasn't like a big initial contact um, but that sort of caused, caused him to sort of go into a spin and then I re-ended him again even harder.
0: Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a double contact I re the, the the crash yeah, before the ball, double contact. Right? That's, a, that's yeah. a good way and, to, to, to trigger a safety car with a, a, a double hit onto him. Um, Michael I think you've got the next question haven't you?
3: i do this one is from stein with two norwegian flags and the very apt twitter handle dennis underscore hauger it's not the real dennis hauger and he has a question for ralph what is it like working for carl brunefeld and is he into motorsport
1: working for working I, with carl
0: working with carl was it's the technical wording
1: <laughs> with carl uh, very good i um we met uh, last year in Monaco GP, so I know him now one and a half years, more than one and a half years. Um, and um, he—he's uh, an incredible person. I mean, he's such a smart guy. Um, He—we actually became really good friends. You know, obviously he's my—he's my main sponsor, um, which is which is obviously very crucial uh, for my racing career. But in terms of him as a person, he's—he's incredible just incredibly passionate about racing. Um, he's actually considering on starting to, uh, to race a little bit next year on an amateur level to begin with, which I'm, I'm going to help him with. And, Ooh. um, he's, uh, yeah, he, he just loves racing. He, he loves F1, F2, uh, um, generally speaking racing in general. And, um, I'm looking forward to, uh, to the future with him because we, we have some, some amazing plans and, uh, yeah. Awesome, guy,
0: Really going to the moon. Um, Michael, as well, do you want to catch this next one? with uh, from Quinn, I think it is.
1: Yeah, so this one
3: is from Quinn, who's asking both of you, um, is there anyone currently in the junior categories who you think will make it to F1? And why don't we start with Brad on this?
0: Aside Um, from yourself, I'm going to put the caveat in, because both of you are going to call your own names.
2: Yeah, I was going straight to (laughs) 7-9. Definitely... I mean, that's what I aspire for sure to to, to do. That's obviously my, my life purpose. Um, but uh, there's always... Because um, that's basically what this championship is. It's a feeder series. It's a, a feeder series for F1. So there's obviously, you know, one or two that are going to be in, in F1 uh, uh, soon. Um, if I'd have to guess... Um, I'd probably say maybe someone like uh, Victor Martins, potentially, and uh, uh, hopefully um, he could do a a good year in F2, and and that would literally basically just um, put him in F1 like it did to Piastri. So for sure, probably him uh, right now looking ahead to the next couple years, and maybe people like Beerman, just guessing.
0: Yeah, there's been some good good drivers in, in F3 at the top of that championship fight. It was really interesting to see. Ralph, anybody, let's say within Formula 2 that you could see going to F1 from this current grid?
1: Uh, i i would appreciate a lot if Logan makes it um, he's, he's a, a great guy great driver we've been teammates um, in uh, in campus in Bahrain Test. that's where i get got to got to meet him um, obviously he's been showing some some incredible pace this year uh, for his first year in f2 first full year um, so i would you know bet bet on him right now if if he's he's the guy who who could make it to f1 whether it's next year or or the year after but um he's definitely he's worthy for f1 for sure
0: yeah and uh, a seat has just opened up um explicitly with williams saying that nicholas latif isn't racing there so fascinated to see who does fill that logan of course affiliated with williams there's a question here from johannes Meles probably an awful pronunciation i apologize but the question is there will be a point where you have to move on from f2 this is for ralph which series does interest you the most is it something like IndyCar or WEC?
1: um sorry i got my my dog here Uh,
0: dogs are welcome on the podcast get them in you can ask the questions to them (laughs) right so brief interlude sorry johannes what's the dog's name uh, the dog is called lucky lucky uh, and
1: she's uh she's um yeah she's beautiful she I is go
0: it. she is gorgeous that's the first not- dog of the podcast thank you so much lucky there that was know. that was that was lucky um so question <laughs> IndyCar or weck anything else possibly that would interest you
1: in IndyCar, i have to say is something that i that i really uh Really enjoy watching. First of all, like I said in the beginning, uh, it's something I already considered in the past. Um, so I think if I would need to choose between IndyCar and WEC, it would definitely be IndyCar. Hmm. Um, I really enjoy uh, America. I've been many times in in the U.S. Um, American people are fucking great sorry for the language Um, Michael is
0: Michael is beaming with happiness right now
1: (laughs) no I just I just I just love America to be honest and I could actually see myself um, potentially racing in an IndyCar Um, you know it's a quite a raw series Uh, no BS I kind of like that Um, so yeah IndyCar is probably the the highest chance I would maybe end up if I stop whenever I stop F2 uh, compared to Web.
0: Well that's um that'd be great to see if you do make it there. The next question goes completely off topic but as F1 feeder series tends to do we go down the food route so questions from Joe and it's for both of you so we'll start again with Brad. What's your favorite salty food and sweet food? I don't know if they're trying to say savory and sweet but what's your favorite salty specifically i don't know if there's something specific salty but favorite salty food and sweet food
2: um yeah sorry there was people that just uh but you're that right just pulled up at my spot um you can
0: ask the way, them the question as well you can
2: see the it's so badass <laughs> so if you, if you guys hadn't have a had a, a dog and on your <laughs> dogs and sunsets on your, street, on your videos and sunsets were definitely something that you guys were probably weren't expecting people just randomly pulling up to my you know <laughs> to my interview space um, my bad for that um oh, good i guess my favorite uh salty food probably be like pizza yeah mm. um with like uh um pepperoni and then my favorite uh sweet food and i'm not really a sweet tooth uh to be honest but uh maybe mm,
0: sweet popcorn oh it's very specific that's it you could uh, you'd say popcorn for both that's salt and sweet so that could be an easy one but yeah pizza, <laughs> easy one pizza and popcorn very interesting ralph um question on yours favorite sweet food favorite salty food
1: I'm gonna be very Swiss. Uh, raclette cheese uh, is something I love, um, so I'll take raclette as my uh, salty favorite salty food. And uh, sweet, I would take uh, probably uh, birthday cake. The uh, how do you how do you call that in English? now I'm not sure. Do you know the Black Forest cake?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Black Forest.
1: Black- Right, there we go. So uh, that's that's the cake I really enjoy. So I would take that as his a, as a favorite sweet food, I guess.
0: I also love that. So I, I appreciate that one. Um, Michael, question from you from Checo.
3: Yeah, so Checo from Discord has got a question uh, for Ralph again. What has been your favorite moment of the season? And also, good luck in Abu Dhabi.
1: Was it good luck in Abu Dhabi?
0: It was at the end, yeah.
1: Thank you for that. Um, my favorite moment. Wow. Uh, honestly, I think it was, it, it might sound a bit weird, but it was probably Jeddah qualifying, even though I I didn't qualify where I think we deserve to qualify. I think it was P4 at the end with a penalty of Duhun. Um, But the qualifying in Jeddah this year was was really nice. I was... I felt alive with a car. The car was on rails for me. That car was meant to be on pole on that day. Um, and just the lap when I was obviously I didn't have the red flag and I went purple, purple, and then red flag. Um, but that lap was insane. So, um, that, that feeling, you know, I think it's, it's the feeling that every driver really enjoys is when you go on, on low fuel, super soft tires. Well, brad not yet that will be in the future with a super soft but um, <laughs> you'll see that that feeling is is insanely uh, uh amazing um so I'll, I'll take that as my favorite moment
0: i love that answer because so many times drivers bring up qualifying rather than the race and us as race fans enjoy the wheel-to-wheel action but as a driver it always seems that the saturday quarter, friday in your case qualifying is the best bit to be in the car and like the yeah. idea of being on low fuel, soft tyres, going around Spa or something is just the best feeling. And, yeah, you seem to have an affinity with Jeddah, so that's uh, that's interesting to note. The question also went for both of you. So, Brad, do you have a specific moment in the season?
2: Um, yeah, I'd have to say Spa, um, the sprint race, going in the Camel Straight, uh, just tucked in behind my teammate, Zach, and him getting sort of uh passed around the outside by Correa. um yeah that moment to be honest was was pretty cool because like you know i could i could like sense the the drama (laughs) into that corner with seeing him from the on the outside and then and 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 zach my teammate on the inside and i was like i was waiting to see if they were gonna shun or whatever and they sort of kind of did you know uh Kara had a puncture and he hit, my Zach had a, he messed up his front wing. So then I was, I went into the lead and then like that opening lap in general was like, it was really entertaining, um, even for me being the one that was driving. So uh, that was, that had to be my, my favorite moment.
0: Um, Is it the, an opening lap in F3 and being in the, in that sort of seat to watch that? that unfold i remember it as well um so i i i appreciate that answer too uh final few questions here though this one's from alex and this is for brad this past season of f3 was your first full season racing in the one series the whole way through do you think this has helped with your confidence knowing you can develop around one car concept for the whole year rather than multiple within the one season
2: yeah, I've actually literally I've never because I started motorsports quite late. I started professionally racing. I mean not prof- I mean in the sense that, you know, high level racing, um, and not taking racing as like a as a secondary sport hobby. Um, when I was fifteen, turning sixteen, uh I, that's when I started thing, And uh I've literally to until um Monza I literally had never finished a complete championship in any series of, of motor racing, not even karting or anything, because I've always sort of, uh, you know, my family and I, or my, my management, we've always, or not really my management because I haven't really been managed by any, um, by any management team until uh, the beginning of this year. Uh, but yeah, sort of like me and my my family and I, we've always been, more focused in just maximizing what i could learn and so perhaps you know if i was in a championship and then first round for example went good but then the second round not really and then we were really in contention for points then maybe you know i would, I would go into another cartoon championship somewhere else or to you know maybe mix up a little bit the the feeling with with different grids of people or different categories so um and in formula as well in a single seater, i did 2019 uh, basically like five or six rounds in Formula Renault and then I stopped in twenty twenty. Did it literally didn't race. Um not you know, I didn't anywhere, not even in car thing. Um and then twenty twenty one again in Formula Regional. So basically the same car, half a half a half a championship or even less, I think it was rounds and then switched to Euro Formula and did their uh three rounds. So yeah, finishing this year finally a championship in literally in my whole, um, motorsports career, it, it felt like I finally, you know, was like a driver, like part of, part of the racing community in in a way, because I never really could share that feeling. And, and I think, you know, for it to be at such a high level Uh in motor racing, I think it's, you know, you don't really see that very often or never really. Um, and that, uh, and i think you know this is like me reaching or getting ever so slightly closer to i think my prime um i'm always striving to be better and and you know the fact that i finally finished uh one a complete championship i think it's 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 all just coming together and a bit late or in a bit in a weird way but it's you know i i always take any every step that i that i'm um accomplishing as a uh, as part of my story and and it just uh empowers me you know a lot to feel that I'm, I'm
0: you know becoming a proper racing driver that's a really good answer i really like that uh we have a few questions which i just have to skip past we've got to do a bit long on this but i can't end the podcast without cutting to this question from ollie goethe for you ralph boshong
2: should i better give a bit of context behind this basically he ordered a starter and then didn't even touch it <laughs> so maybe the question could be why would you order a starter and not even try it
1: <laughs> oh it's uh oliver right okay i didn't <laughs> what a legend it's, yeah i remember that yeah of course well actually um i uh, i was eating with oliver and uh, Andreu, which is the f3 team manager of campus and i think Andreu told me yeah just order whatever you think is good because the menu was in french i obviously speak french um, so i took a couple of starters and we had that that beef carpaccio included you know but it came and usually beef carpaccio should be nice and red raw beef carpaccio but it was a color that was definitely not worthy to try in my opinion, (laughs) but I didn't want to get sick the next day because we had qualifying the next day. So basically I told Oliver, I said, look, you know, it looks good. You should try. Um, And he obviously figured out that I, you know, I'm kind of uh, bullshitting him, but uh, (laughs) he he did, he did try a little bit, but he did say it was not, it was not very good. So eventually we didn't, eat that plate together, um, but thanks for bringing that up, Oliver. Um, <laughs> whenever he's on the podcast, I'll have a, a nice question for
0: him. Oh yeah, we have to get back on as well, so we'll uh, we'll record a question at some point in the future for him. I'm sure you can think something up. But for the moment, that's all the time we have this week. Thank you everybody for watching and listening. If you'd like to have your question asked on a future episode, use the hashtag #AskF1FS on Twitter. Drop any questions below if you're watching on YouTube. Or let us know what questions you have on your mind on our Discord. Look for the Podcast Questions channel. If you are watching on YouTube, dropping a like on the video, leaving a comment, and subscribing all really helps us out. And if you're listening, leaving a review or a rating on the podcast platform you're listening on is greatly appreciated. Finally, check out F1FeederSeries.com for more Feeder Series insight, including Michael's work on F3, and follow F1FeederSeries 1. F1FS Americas, and F1FS Live on Twitter. You can find the links to all of those, plus the Twitter accounts for myself and everyone else on the podcast in the YouTube description or the podcast show notes. Until next time, we have been the F1 Feeder Series Podcast. Goodbye.